Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Promo Kitchen Podcast. The PK Podcast is a weekly conversation featuring guest suppliers, distributors, and service providers discussing insights into the promotional products business. I'm your host, Bobby Lee Hugh, and as always, I'm here with my good friend, Mark Graham in Toronto, and today we are kicking off, kicking off a brand new series called The Distributor's DNA. What makes distributors unique? If you were to walk into three different coffee shops in your market, you are likely to have three different experiences, even though they all sell what some would claim is virtually the same product. Now, if you're a coffee snob like me, you would not make that mistake, or some of you, but it's definitely a different experience. And what we're trying to capture in this series is to look for ideas that would help other distributors develop their business and become unique and powerful in their markets and who they serve. And this is a great way to start this podcast series with having Tanya Allen Gould of TAG, the Creative Source, a consumer promotions and marketing agency, on the program. Uh, Tanya, many of you are familiar with her. She's been involved with Promo Kitchen, but having her on the podcast is a real treat because if you've ever visited with her, you'll find out she's sharp, she's brilliant, she works extremely hard, and what a great way to kick off uh, the Distributor's DNA series. Hello, good morning, or good wow. afternoon. Keep doing that. It's not morning. Well, I know, but it's, it's confusing though because we're all over the globe. But Tanya, really yeah. glad to have you here. Exactly. What a great way to start a podcast. <laughs> you know, good morning. I will say, Bobby, before we get into questions, that 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 uh, introduction must be hard way for Tanya to start because that was just so flattering. I mean, wow. That's amazing. It, it's true. It's true. You guys know. We've, we've spent a lot of time talking. And, and Tanya, we're really here to kind of chat about uh, TAG and what makes you unique. Mark's going to take off with, with a few questions here, but I'm really looking forward to this myself. So, Tanya, I, uh, I, I'm on your site right now, and I love, I love your site. I love the, uh, uh, the description of your business and all the photographs of you and your fun staff. And, and I, I read something here and I want you to expand on it. So TAG, the creative source, is a consumer promotions and marketing agency that specializes in the effective use of promotional products in the marketing mix. And the word that jumps out to me most strongly in that sentence is agency. And I want you to talk a little bit about what what an agency means to you within this business. Well, you know, first of all, when we started the business 17 years ago, um, I started the company outsourcing creative services projects. It was a tough economy, much like we're experiencing today when companies were downsizing or right-sizing. And one of the big hits um, to corporate America was the creative service department. Um, a lot of people kind of lost jobs in the creative uh, in their creative fields. So I realized that I had a pretty strong creative background in digital imaging, photography, um, exhibiting, that sort of thing. And I, I realized that there was something to starting a company that um, was a outsource to creative services projects for large corporations. So the company really began as a resource management company. And it wasn't too long after I got into the business that I realized that, you know, the promotional products industry was pretty, pretty um, amazing, a very growing um, multi-billion dollar industry. And it wasn't until a client actually picked up the phone and called me and said, we needed, you know, we need some mugs that I had absolutely no idea how to get a promotional product produced. 
And so I started looking into the industry, and I have to be totally honest, I was not really smitten with the industry when I first got into it. I remember walking into a trade show and seeing a bunch of blinking lights and a man on stilts and um, Dr. Seuss hats, and I literally turned around and walked, walked out of the show, got back on a plane, and headed home. <laughs> so that's my first experience with the industry, and that's a true story. So, um, you know, I, th that's how we kind of got Founded, um, and then from there, I realized that you know there's a lot to be said about the promotional products industry and um, the clients who are looking to, you know, distributors to to grow their businesses through promotional products. And you know, I just gave it a second look, and um, really, I had more of an agency background than I did a distributor background. So I'm interested as a follow-up question to that. So you walked into this trade show that will remain nameless uh, 17 years ago or whenever you started and you saw a man on stilts and you saw blinking lights and you saw all this, um, all this product that, that I'm, not, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth but was probably pretty pedestrian in your view. Um, it, 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 was a big, it was very novelty-like and that was something that was never very compelling to me. So let me ask you this. Has anything changed in your view of said product, the blinking lights, et cetera, et cetera, now that you're an agency and you have a more holistic view of promotional products and how it is that they can fit into a marketing campaign? Has it changed or is blinking lights still on the blacklist for you? Absolutely. You know, I think the industry has absolutely changed for me, but I think it's, it, it's, it's one of these... Um, it's a process that you go through and you realize that blinking lights have a, a, have a, um, have the power to actually impact on a, um, consumer product or a consumer promotion. So I, I, I kind of feel bad that I said something about blinking lights cause we have wonderful blinking light suppliers out there. Um, you just have, I'm kind of, you know, I think I'm backpedaling a little bit and you can hear it on the no, podcast. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think we actually all have to realizing how many suppliers I'm actually upsetting right now. <laughs> no, actually, I, it's, to, and the suppliers yeah, understand I'm, this. I think you have, well, almost all of us do this with some product in our industry. Mark, you might recall me, you, and Cameron having a conversation via Twitter about koozies. And as much as he'll joke about koozie monger, you know, koozie salespeople and all that, the fact is sometimes that's the perfect promotion. And so I, I, think, I think many suppliers get yeah. that. Yeah. So yeah. the reality is the industry has come a long way, but I think also it's one of those industries where you have to kind of just throw yourself in head first and understand it um, before you start saying, oh, I would never sell that. You know, I, and Mark, you and I were both in Nashville together at that great promo marketing event. And, um, you know, I'd like to talk about that a little bit. We had 50 different suppliers and some of the suppliers at a trade show, I'd walk right on by. But yeah. when... We were forced to sit down and meet with some of those suppliers. I was actually engaged. I was actually really impressed with um, some applications to their product that maybe I hadn't been open to in the yeah. past. So I think it's so easy for us as promotional product professionals to be kind of pigeonholed in what we view as, you know, upper echelon um, promotions. Um, there are products that have a great fit for our clients at a budget that, you know, I, I've got a quote out right now for a project, you know, it's below 50 cents and it's, uh, we have a quote for 200,000 units and it's one of our most creative pieces. I'm pretty excited about it. That's cool. 
Donnie, yeah. did you ever go through a process of, you started with, with sort of a more holistic approach where you're trying to help clients achieve their objectives. So it sounds like you almost didn't go through what is a normal process for many of us, which is uh, being pigeonholed and just sourcing a product. Client says they need hats, you find hats. Um, did you go through any period of that where you dipped back into just becoming a source and not being the consultative or, or not? Was that since you had the beginning that you did, you didn't really struggle with that like many of us did? Well, I think that I think that probably what makes me a bit unique in that area is that I didn't work for any other distributor ever. <laughs> so I kind of yeah. walked into this industry backwards. And I think that that in and of itself is what helped us to stand out is that when you don't kind of do things the way that other distributors are doing them and and it confuses the buyer like wait a second this isn't how things are done they're doing it d differently and i think that that's really what you know the differentiation is in in and of itself is what helped us stand out and i can look back on that with kind of you know i i laugh i remember you know, I, I just remember taking a, uh, an approach that I would take in any of the previous companies that I worked for and brought that background with me, the digital imaging, the photography, the creative side, and, you know, and use that with my clients um, to grow my business. I'm, um, Tanya, I, I'm, I'm, I'm focusing in on the word ideas that you have um on the front page of your site again i'm creeping your site tagsource.com for anyone that is on the on the on the podcast that wants to go and check it out I, I'm, I, I love the word ideas because I think that that's really what we sell as distributors, whether you're a plain Jane distributor that just takes orders, I think that even they think that they sell ideas. But my question for you, Tanya, is um, how how do you uh, how have you found over the last 17 years of being in business that your selling ideas has really allowed you to sell at full margin and retain your clients for um, you know a longer period than average compared to leading with product and price as opposed to ideas i'm not i'm not sure how eloquent i wasn't asking that question but i ultimately i'm just interested in in knowing how effective you leading with selling ideas has been for your business not only from a profit perspective but from a longevity perspective you know i think that um, our clients come to us specifically looking for ideas they're you know that's not to say that clients don't pick up the phone or email us and ask us for a specific product that they're looking off the shelf what our clients have come to realize about tag the creative source is that we excel at coming up with the campaign we excel at coming up with the promotional products that tie in naturally to the clients um, marketing plan and um, you know I think that that's one of the things that you know really sets us apart is that we really do work to understand the project scope the clients budget tying in the product um, to to work well with the with with the client's brand, um, right. and so along the way, what we've realized is that that that's an expensive process. Is that when you're coming up with ideas and you're constantly working with the client's assets and elements and manipulating the artwork and coming up with ideas, what you have is uh, a tremendous investment of time. Um, and when you have that investment of time, coming up with presentations. 
um, and submitting them back to the client, um, you know, you've got you've got to be compensated fairly for that. And you know, I think that some clients don't realize the amount of time and effort that it takes to actually build, you know, thirty or forty slides of highly creative ideas that don't necessarily look like they're off the shelf. I mean, some of our presentations take a work week, um, you know, with five hands on deck. I mean, literally, they're. Especially if it's a large bid, we've got all hands on deck working and working and working to create the best ideas out there. And you know, you've got a bill for that. Do you, um, do you, do you, yeah, do you charge, do you actually have separate line items that you charge for your clients for some of these services, or do you actually build a lot of these costs into the product? Well, you know, we just basically, we submit a fair mar. you know, we have a fair margin, a competitive margin on the product's themselves. What we always tell our clients is that if we're submitting an idea to you, that idea is basically what earns us, um, you know, food on the table. If, um, if that client takes that idea and submits that out to any other, you know, company who can just submit a bid um, because now the idea is already generated, that other company doesn't have to do any of the work. And so it's easier for them to give, you know, give a, a, a discount for that product. Yeah. So I always, that's the one thing that I always tell my clients right off the bat when I meet with them um, and talk with them the first that t first time is that this is, this these are ideas. Um, and like an agency, an agency would normally bill for those ideas. We bill you when you place the order for the product and that's how we right. bill you. Now we do have service charges, art charges, creative, you know, s some creative work that we do in file manipulation, and we also bill for safety testing because that is a very um, laborious process uh, that we have to go through that takes, you know, um, a lot of man hours. That's a lot of, uh, it sounds like you're doing a fantastic job training your clients, which is uh, kind of an unheard of, but you really do spend a lot of time on the front end training them so that you don't have to face those battles. It sounds to me like if you have turnover, then you have to go through the same training cycle over and over again. Well, you know, we try to train our customers, um, but at the end of the day, some of them still, you know, take a product and they're going for price. And what we have to do is constantly find a way to prove our worth, prove our value. Um, you know, I think that that's the unfortunate side of, of, of our industry. It's become so highly competitive that people are, have become, I think, very desperate for the order and they're willing to give it away. And you know, if I could stand on a mountaintop and scream something out to people and let them know that the best of the best in this industry, they're not giving it away. They're, yeah. they're producing product at a fair price um, and they're creating value with their customer. And, you know, that's, I guess that's my mantra. And I guess I'll stick to my guns as long as I have to. <laughs> how, how do you respond to, and you kind of did, but I'd like to hear how you would respond to a client who, or a prospect that says, basically, you guys do all the same thing. You sell the same stuff. You get the product from the same vendors. How do you handle an objection like that? Well, you know, I think that, yes, we all get product from the same suppliers. Um, and... It, it, you know, if a client is calling me and looking for a C-handled white mug, you know, I think that all bets are off. You know, that, that product is basically, um, this isn't a word, I'm going to invent it, biddable. <laughs> you can bid on that product. It's no, it's no, it's, you know, it's basically the best price for a white mug that, that you can find. And the reality is, is that we all find better prices on different days, right? And I think that that's what makes us uniquely, uniquely competitive. Right. Uh, but as far as a client, um, you know, 
wanting something specific that ties in to their marketing campaign and they don't know what it is, that's when um, you have, I think, a cutting edge or the ability to potentially have a cutting edge with your client. Um, and that's where you really need to set yourself apart from the pack. If we have uh, a mid-20s distributor listening on the call and they're trying to build their business right now and they can't get their client quite past just a pure product sourcing, hey, we need 144 C-White Handle Bugs. Now, that happens all the time. I don't want to act like none of us don't take those orders, but how would you recommend, Tanya, that they approach their client more consultatively? If somebody was calling and um, wanting pure price, is, is that the question? Well, they, if, if um, let's say you got working relationships with clients or you're trying to build them, how do you become more of a consultative person? Is it a matter of sitting down and just trying to educate them that, look, when you're going to look for items or you think you know what you want, please give us some time because our creative team is phenomenal. Because through the years, I know we've struggled with, we finally started trying to use our own creativity to show them that we do creative. That was one way to overcome it. How have you overcome that just the pure product sourcing? Well, you know, I think that, again, it was ingrained in our DNA as a company, um, you know, and I, I think that, you know, because we never really sold ourselves as the product pushers or the promotional product peddlers, um, you know, it was just easy. It was, it was, it, it really started with the first big meeting at, that I had with a major, you know, um, entertainment client um, where I went out and um, I learned about the film title that they were asking me to work on. And what I was so engrossed with was all the terminology that they had, um, you know, in their business. Like a logo is not a logo in the entertainment industry. It was a title treatment. Um, mm. And what I realized that in order for me to become an expert in my field, I had to understand, especially, especially in one industry that I wanted to call on, that I needed to really understand the term terminology so that I could develop my own kind of niche. And so I would say that to be a true, a, a true consultant in the promotional products industry, it's A, really important to find your niche, um, and B, it's really important to understand the jargon, speak the language that your clients are speaking, and you know to really research um, everything that the client's doing or has done in order to fully understand what it is that the, the, the that the uh, client is trying to do to achieve their marketing objectives. That is great advice. Mark, you work with ad agencies, right? I'm sure it's a similar similar factor um, is, is working with a lot of their jargon and trying to become an expert in what they do. Yeah, I know. I was saying that. I was, I was fascinated, Tanya, when you were talking about title treatments. And a lot of agencies don't call it logos either. They call them assets. So it's you're right. thinking like, okay, if I'm selling to an accounting firm, well, they're talk. They're, I think that their definition of assets is a little bit different. But uh, it, it I, I completely agree, Tanya. And I've I've been fascinated with your business model for the last year or so that we've known each other. And I think that um, while we don't have clients in the entertainment businesses as much as you do, uh, I, I think about um, some of our, uh, I call it niches. I'm not sure if you understand that. Niches, not, not niches. No, no, we're, yeah. just, we're just cool with that's you. That's how they pronounce yeah, it Yeah, here. we're just cool with you pronouncing it wrong. That's all right. 
Yeah, yeah, you know, it's cool. Um, but <laughs> when, when we're focusing on, say, the technology community or ad agency community or even, or even some verticals like the school and camp markets, um, we found that where we've been most successful there is that we actually hire people from those spaces. People that have actually bought in those environments mm. are the best people for, the, for, for those categories at our company because not only do they know all the jargon, but they also know all the people. So it's, a, it's relationships, which we all know about, and we've spoken about on many of these podcasts in the past, but um, the, the buyers then feel like they're buying from people that are one of them, that understand their makeup, that yeah, understand their, sure. like the, the, the petty gossip in the industry. And, and as a result, the, 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 um, the concern about price is way, way down at the bottom. And it's not to say that we're not charging a fair rate, but I just think that there, once you have that, and Tanya, I think that in our discussions the last little while, that's certainly the case that you have with some of your clients, that it, it's almost like you can't break through that moat once you've established that because you're an insider. You're not just some Joe Blow that's selling a coffee cup at that point. Um, so I think that that, that that is a one really important way to build meaningful value in your business. Yeah, you know, you know, you're right because I you know, I've hired somebody recently on the biz dev side um, who came from a very strong media agency background. Um, yeah. and so she just gets it. She walked in and she just, you know, she just completely gets um, and she happens to be a Canadian by the way, uh, who just got her green card status. So She's probably very that. very smart. Yeah, very smart. <laughs> very smart. And, um, you know, she walked in and she was kind of, you know, she was plug and play on the creative side of what we do, especially, you know, on the creative and the business development side of, um, uh, you know, working with the client and helping them um, launch their their programs or their campaigns or their, you know, or any given promotion on any given day. So she's been great. That plug and play, yeah. I'm going to steal that, Tanya. That is brilliant. Plug and play is, is brilliant because I've often said that, you know, when you let's and we're already shifting gears here, so it's a nice segue into your team and, and building a strong infrastructure. That when you're hiring, you know, with the rule of thirds apply to hiring. Uh, a third, they've got to have the skill. Uh, first third, the second third, they've got to have the initiative, and the third is that they really got to work well within your environment and your team. Tell us a little bit about the tag environment. I get this idea like like with right sleeve, very creative. You try to be edgy environment. Um, is that what you obviously what you're aiming for? But tell us a little bit about your team. Um, you know, I, we, we were talking about this before the podcast because it was funny just to hear their perspective on it instead of just mine. And um, one of the things that came up, and you, hopefully you'll find this as funny as I do, is that I'm the advocate for the underdog. <laughs> I like hiring people who basically walk in here looking for a job and they're pregnant or they've, you know, they've <laughs> suffered an illness or they've been on the mommy train and they're re-entering the workforce. I'm like a sucker when it comes to somebody who's kind of had a down and out experience. Um, but you know, outside of that, we also have some, you know, we have people from all demographics and backgrounds, generation X, generation Y and baby boomer. I'm not, I don't think anybody could ever, um, accuse me of being, uh, you know, biased or discriminatory <laughs> because, you know, we have people from all walks of life, highly educated people who have basically, you know, graduated from hard knocks. Um, and, you know, at the end of the day, they all have to have energy when they walk into my office. If, you know, if they don't have energy, because that's what makes us so great is that, you know, we literally have a lot of fun doing what we're doing. I, I view us as being 
a part of a little family family um, minus the dinner table and you know I, I, I think most of the industry knows that knows that um, if they know me that we um, uh, we had an employee who almost died um, and it really impacted all of us and he's doing fine and he's recovering well I know if people are listening and you know I know I still get emails you know all the time you know checking on on him and you know he was such a core part of us and when when he left when he was in uh, rehabilitation and he's still in rehabilitation but doing remarkable re remarkably well um, you know, it, it really, it really uh, impacted me as a uh, business owner and also as his friend because, um, you know, I really, I care about the people that work for me and um, work with me every day. So I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I know a lot of people try to keep kind of an arm's length distance from their employees. But for me, I just, I don't know. I like having them, you know, I like, I like knowing who they are. And the only way you can really know who, who you have working for you is by, being open to something a little bit more than being an employer-employee relationship. Well, th th and there's there's no right or wrong here. This is what I love about this series, the distributors' DNA. We're trying to discover really what it is that makes up each distributor, not to find the right answer or the wrong answer, but to find the good answer for each of us. And when you were talking, I kind of discern and reading between the lines a little bit. Obviously, you said energy and enthusiasm, but also resiliency. Um, yeah. You strike yeah. me. I, for Mark and I know you and know some of your background, and we know that you're a very, very resilient person. The fact that you're looking for a diamond in the rough doesn't surprise us at all because we know more about your personal background, and that makes perfect sense. Um, folks walking through the door may not quite understand that, but I know they'll detect your energy and your enthusiasm, and they'll certainly find out sooner or later about your resiliency too. Yeah, you know, and I won't, I, I won't lie and say that that hasn't come back to bite me on the sure. tail. <laughs> you know that you make mistakes when you when you go out on a limb like that and I've certainly made my fair share in the last 17 years but you know I guess I'd just rather be the person that um, you know that gives people a shot than yeah. the person who turns somebody down and all they all they ever needed from somebody was somebody to believe in them and take a chance on them and that's all they ever needed in life to get past that one hurdle um, you know and I just I don't know. There are a lot of people like that, especially in this economy today. Yeah. You know, a man walking through my office with a baby, you know, he just was driving around locally in Camarillo looking for a job. He never followed up. I would have hired him. I mean, the moment he brought the baby in, I was like, I was. <laughs> That's <laughs> I was great. Like, best interview ever. And I, you know, somebody walked off the street. I was like, he brought his baby in. Hey, I'm looking for work. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Hey, you know what? I think we actually just lost Mark. So let me do this. Let me see if we can um, get him back into the conversation real quick. Um, oh, he would have loved the baby comment. He would have actually. I would have <laughs> loved to hear his comment. So let's see if we can, we can no, have to listen here. back to the podcast. <laughs> Here's that moment where it's live and we're, uh, come on, Parkinson. That's Thank okay. We can, we can keep talking, Bobby. Okay, that's cool. Okay, I'm gonna, talking. Here we go. We're dialing him up now. Actually, this happened last time, so he's going to start thinking that I'm doing this on purpose. And actually, it's actually fun. I should start doing that now on every podcast, just losing him for a while when I want to get, oh, like get a word in edgewise. word in edgewise. Marky there? I don't see his picture up on my screen. Uh, okay. Oh, that's funny. Seeing him there, we can. If we can talk about my my quote, the one that I was telling you about. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yes. Uh, that uh, absolutely. 
Okay. Um, I, I yesterday I was watching Narnia: The Voyage of the Dawn Treader with my son, and I heard I thought was such a great quote, um, and I wanted to read it. Extraordinary things only happen to extraordinary people. Maybe it's the sign that you've got an extraordinary destiny, something greater than you could have imagined. So we're talking about resiliency, and one of the things that I I think a lot about, and this is not to say that I'm an extraordinary person, but extraordinary, some pretty extraordinary things have happened to me recently. Yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, Mark was like, holy crap. Oh, does, is that legal on this? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> is it legal to say that word? <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> okay. Um, he's, he's like, gosh, a lot's happened to you. Like, I crashed my car. Um, like, you know, some an employee almost died. Like a man, a gardener fell in my pool and my dog saved his life last week. I'm not kidding you. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Some very crazy, crazy things have happened. And Mark said, that's a lot to happen and I can go on and on. And I said, you know, he, he said it was like almost like bad luck. And I said, actually, I feel very fortunate. I was in a car accident and everybody walked away. We're all... A man fell in my pool and my dog saved him. He's alive. It could have been a very different evening for us. So, right. yeah, you know, I guess maybe if you want to be the person in your business that kind of looks looks at things like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe that happened. We lost that account. You know, you got to pull yourself up by your bootstraps and kind of overcome some obstacles, I think, in order to get ahead yeah. in this And that's that's part of that that resiliency that I was referring to earlier, too. Um, yeah. Tonya, it was a fantastic quote. Thank you for sharing. It was awesome. Let's try and get Mark on one more time. Okay. Oh, there he is. I see his face. There he goes. Hey, Mark, you there? Hey, what's going on? You missed the best part of the podcast. Can I just put you on hold for a little bit longer? <laughs> because because that happened in the in the Chuck Fando's comments. I know. Well, I think, you know what I think it is? What? I think it's you, Bobby. Yeah. That is like, <laughs> what I still tell you, Tonya. Giving me That's the uh, you know the I'm cane doing. off the stage, right? And you're like, oh, I'm gonna chat with Tanya now. Uh, so, <laughs> so everybody will know before we hit record. I said this podcast is probably gonna go off the rails, and it has. It's fun, but you know, I had someone tell me a long time ago. For those that we we always warn people that this isn't NPR style as much as Mark and I and Tanya too dig that style. It's more just people hanging around the kitchen table or at the bar talking about business. Um, that's what I love. Somebody said once that if you really want to put on a good program, every now and then just let there be a disruption because it does sort of break it up, make it a little more ebb and flow. So, Mark, we were just talking about Tanya, Tanya's resiliency. Read that quote one more time, Tanya. Okay. Extraordinary things only happen to extraordinary people. Maybe it's a sign that you've got an extraordinary destiny, something greater than you could have imagined. And so, Mark, I was saying, I actually, you were you were talking to me before about how, geez, there, there have been a lot of things that have happened to you. And, and one of the things that I've said to you is that, yeah, you know, I've kind of tried to find the positive side of some of those things. Like I was in the car accident and, you know, everybody walked away and it was a very bad car accident. And, uh, you know, a man falls in my pool and my dog saves his life, you know, and he couldn't swim and he was drowning. Um, and so those are all really bizarre, very extraordinary things. So maybe... Maybe there's something greater in my destiny. I don't know. I'm, 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 I keep thinking that, that this quote could save me. I, I think what you're trying to say is that you are an extraordinary person. Is that, is well, that what you're trying to say? 
I, I did preface it Bobby. by saying, no, I'm an extraordinary person. I, I think that extraordinary things have happened to me. So I've used the tail end of that quote. And I'm gonna, and I'm gonna uh, say that maybe, maybe you know, maybe there is something greater in my destiny. I'm supposed to do something a little bit more. I don't know. I, I think Boppy and I would agree that you are, are an extraordinary person. That's why you're on this podcast, right? So you know, only extraordinary oh. people get 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 a seat at the table. Here, right? so. I know that, that all sounded a little self-serving, but you know, I don't know. You can look at things in a positive way, or you can look at things in a negative way, and I think that that's really the moral of all of that. Is yeah. that you know, you can you can you can learn from some of the things that happen um, and gosh business I mean wouldn't you say I mean how many times do you have a fire that you've got to put out and that fire is so unique to any other fire you've ever yeah. put out uh, you know and each time you you tackle something new in your business you just grow from it and you learn from it and um, it can make your make you um, you know it can make your organization better it's so funny to hear you say that because that's a big statement because um, after 17 years in the business, you're still facing unique fires. And I think that's true. I think that's true for very many, uh, all types of businesses that um, you can't quite ever get that you've arrived, but you've definitely learned a whole lot more than you used to know. Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, looking back on it, there's, you know, my husband has this little joke. He's like, you know, some of the mistakes that you make crack me up because they're not, you never make the same mistakes twice, <laughs> you know? And, I mean, if you think about it, that's good. I mean, that's, that's when you know that you're growing and evolving as a human being is that you're not making the same mistakes twice. But, gosh, you know, you make a new mistake and you're like, ah, I didn't, you know, I really don't have anything to, you know, I don't really have anything from my past to draw upon to, you know, have prevented something like that from happening this time around. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Right. So, I don't know. I think that, you know, running a business is very much like running your life. And, you know, you walk tall and, you know, you just, you do it the best you know how. Tanya, do you have any, you know, you guys were talking a little bit about culture and, and the unique culture that you have at TAG and your unique employer brand and the kind of people that you that you bring on board is is really important to the success of your business um, beyond just them being good salespeople, right? That's obviously important, but clearly you're looking for so much more than just uh, 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 a, a man or a woman who can come in and sell a million dollars at 40 points. Oh, yeah. um, do you have any advice for other distributors or even to some extent suppliers that are struggling with this whole idea of culture and whether there is a, an ROI that's associated with it because I, I think that there's a lot of people that are really focused on the numbers and whether you can sell the product and meet your number and less on culture and and, and, and what it's like to work at a special company like can't is can we have special companies in this in this industry yeah, I definitely think so. I think that, you know, it's funny. I say how I'm kind of like an advocate for the underdog, but by the same token, trust is earned with me. It's not something I give away right away. Um, you know, so I'm I know still that earning it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm still earning <laughs> it. You're working backwards, Mark. Yeah, yeah. Quit yeah, Mark, Mark, yeah, let, let's not have another LinkedIn discussion here, okay? Uh, but, uh, you know, the reality is, is that the moment that you show the people that you're working for them, that you're loyal to them, and you, you're, you're flexible, and you make concessions for them when they have life events that happen, 
um, is the moment that they have your undying, um, or they have you have their undying, um, I guess, support and um, commitment to the organization. You know, I've got a gal who's basically, let's clap, Kelly is uh, going in to be induced for her first baby today. She's my assistant. And um, I'm going to miss the heck out of her for the next six to eight weeks. In fact, I don't even know how I'm going to survive. Um, but gosh, I'm so happy for her. I am, you know, it, it'd be so easy for me to just, you know, as a business owner, kind of having a woe is me mentality. My, my right hand gal is kind of, you know, away for a little while. But I'm, I'm so happy for her. I can't wait to meet the baby. She wants to bring the baby in. You know, we're going to make concessions for her any way we can so that she um, feels like she has work-life support, you know? I am, uh, I, I have to tell you, I, I am so impressed that we're talking about this because there is this cold, abject attitude toward business, um, I think, that, that has kind of gone by the wayside, but I think it left with the industrial age because people are seeking much more work-life balance. And when you work around your business, 17, year olds, 17 years old, I think this is uh, evident of your maturity in the business because you're in the same way we're looking for client partnerships and supplier partnerships we're looking for employee partnerships too people that want to grow with us people that want to change with us people that are looking for a challenge in their own life and that's an important part of building a small business and I kudos to you Tonya I think that's fantastic it's not easy that's for sure all of us would say it's not easy no it's it's definitely not easy but um, you know it, it has its rewards that's for sure Guys, we have about five more minutes. Mark, um, I don't want to. I don't want to. I've got a curveball of a question for both of you. But before I ask it, did you have any other questions you want to ask Tonya? Uh, you know, why don't why don't we go into the curveball? Because I I feel that that could use our uh, five minutes. Okay, go ahead. Go ahead. No, really, go ahead. Uh, I I think Tonya, I'm I'm interested if, if there are any any peculiar management challenges that you have with within your company environment where you're treating employees like family members and there's this really inter almost like a blurring of the lines. I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I, I think if I heard you correctly, almost this blurring of the lines between personal and professional that you have with your staff. And I think that's evident with the great photos you have on your website. But how would you respond to the distributor that's a little bit more old school that might say, well, Tanya, how do you manage that person? And what happens if they've crossed the line? And how do you put your foot down? And, and I, I, that's a bad imitation of a traditional distributor's uh, accent, <laughs> but you know what I mean. Uh, I sound like Bobby there. Did I sound like Bobby? Okay. Right. You know, um, I, so what do you say you, to that? I, I would definitely say that, they, that, that it's not understood that, you know, that ultimately I'm in charge. Um, the reality is, is that they're all empowered people. Um, you know, it's, they work for me, yes, and they definitely know that I'm ultimately their leader in this organization, but they're incredibly empowered people that don't need to be micromanaged. They don't have to stand over them. Um, so, the family aspect of it is really just a matter of they know that I care. When I come in in the morning, Every morning, I sit down with them and I chat for about five, ten minutes. Every morning, I just sit. How was your night? How was your weekend? Whatever the case may be, and we sit and we just kind of, you know, shoot the breeze. 
And, um, you know, it kind of keeps me connected with them. But when I say we're a family, I mean, you know, we're a busy family. <laughs> We've got, you know, we all have our jobs to do. And, you know, they all, you know, they all rely very heavily on, you know, on this business to kind of keep motoring along. So it's not like we're such a family that, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a negative. It's, it's more, we're a family. I yeah. I, you know, I don't know how much more to say about that except for, yeah. No, you know, I think they understand that, you know, ultimately I'm in charge and, you know, I don't think anybody questions my authority as a result of that blurring of the lines. Yep. That was kind of good a long-winded response, but. You know, we, good we could, honestly, I love this topic and we could go on for, I bet we could go on for another hour about this because I do think it's really, really important. And, um, you know, the family aspect, it's kind of comical because I would say this to our own team. Sometimes we love each other like family. You know, sometimes you can't stand your own family, but you got to get the job done. Right. And that so when we say family, I always used to cringe at the word family a decade ago, but I know now what I mean in context. It's you know we've got a task to do, a job to do. We serve clients, and just like with your real family, there's challenges, there's warts, and you've got to learn. And when you think about it, we all work together more. We spend more time with each other than we do our actual family. So it's not too much of a leap to say that we do work like a family. I hadn't always felt that way. Yeah, you know, that that's the reality is that if you're going to give up, you know, and make that like, repeat that sacrifice to work away from your family you know, to do or some of them to do is that if you're going to do it, then do it with people that you like to be around. Yeah. Um, you know, don't do it with people that, you know, are dragging you down or, you know, creating drama or whatever, you know, there's no place for coffee pot talk, talk in my company, you know, the gossip yeah. or the chat, you know, that kind of stuff. It doesn't exist. It never <laughs> has, or at least I don't think it has, or else I'm completely naive. <laughs> you know, I just, don't yeah. think it does. if they're talking, they're talking about me and I don't know it. So oblivious, <laughs> being oblivious is a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So here's my curveball question. I'm going to start with Mark. It's actually the same question. Um, and I love asking things off topic, so this is completely off topic. You're both avid readers. You're both rich readers. You're people I respect. When I when you say you're reading something, I pay attention. Mark and Tonya, Mark first. What do you What have you read lately? Business or non business doesn't matter. What have you read lately that you really enjoyed? You want me to go? Yes, because I want Tonya to have the last word. She always gets the last word. <laughs> I know she, she does. always gets the last word. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy! Uh, wow, uh, great question, Bobby. Um, my book. You read my book last, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll start. Yeah, I have an answer. I have an answer because I thought about the question. I have an answer. Okay, well, I read okay, a book. I, okay, so I saw this. <laughs> I saw this at South by Southwest. It's a great new book called The Power of Habit, and it is a fantastic book. I recommend to everybody. It's a little dry, like most business books. It's about a chapter or two of really good meaty material, and the rest is like filler. Yeah. But it's worth a book on. It's worth a purchase and a review because it because it goes through a lot of things in our industry. We have to change a lot of habits and a lot of patterns. Anyone does to chant to do anything new or big. You've got to change habits almost on the micro level. And this book is a, does a good job going through it. So I just recommend that. Um, I have got one that I just uh, read, and I actually believe Tanya might have recommended this to me. So you, I, I hope you don't kill me tanya for maybe stealing this from you but you you read like four a week so right. um no, i don't not anymore used to so so i think it was from you tanya so th th there's a book written by reed hoffman called the startup of you oh yeah and uh 
Yeah, so... That's the book I was going to say, by the way. Oh, <laughs> see, you know, for, for those that know the relationship between Tanya Allen Gould and Mark Graham, then this is delicious right now. <laughs> I'm stealing your idea. I love it. Stealing it, um, that was the last book that I read. Go ahead and talk about it, though. I'll talk about the uh, one that I'm kind of reading right now. All right. Um, well, I, I I think just quickly, it, it, for, for those uh, that are listening right now, uh, hi, Mom, hi, Dad. Um <laughs> <laughs> the uh, so Reed Hoffman, of course, is the founder of LinkedIn, and he's uh, just someone who's really built his whole career, not surprisingly, on connections and the in the connections between us all, and what that means for the 21st century employee. And I think that it, it's just a really interesting message as to how he treats every person, every employee, almost as though they were a startup, almost as though they were an entrepreneur, whether they're an entrepreneur like the three of us or they're an employee at a large company, that there is no reason why individual employees cannot be thinking of themselves as entrepreneurs and how it is that they can reach out and connect with people and empower them, uh, um, uh, empower themselves to really build a rich community of, of, of colleagues. And um, there, was, there was a lot of it that um, I think reinforced stuff that I already knew and then there was a whole bunch of new things that I learned. And uh, so thank you, Tanya, for that recommendation. You're Good welcome. Actually, you. one of the things I really liked about that book as well is that, you know, don't forget it reminds you as an entrepreneur that so many times entrepreneurs stop being entrepreneurs and they start being employees uh, in their own organizations. And um, that's one of the things that I really kind of glommed onto from that book um, was that, you know, it's just a good reminder to, to continue to, you know, breed that entrepreneurial spirit, but as well remind yourself that you're an entrepreneur every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, and to kind of get out of some of the, you know, some of the stuff that bogs you down as an entrepreneur and start, you know, working on the evolution of the business. Um, the other book that I, I'm, you'll laugh, this is mindless reading and I can't believe I'm actually saying this live on a podcast, but I'm Go reading, um, I'm reading Grisham's, uh, Ford County, his, the series of, um, short stories. <laughs> is it, is it but, as good as his novels? You know what? It's it, they're really interesting, interesting stories, and they're you know each one. I don't know. It's just a quick little read, but um, yeah, it's kind of it's it's interesting. I haven't read um, I haven't read something like that in a while. So, um, and I've always been a Grisham fan. I just you know he's you know it's usually like poolside reading in Hawaii or you know on yeah. vacation. But um, I, I'm actually enjoying it. So I recommend it. I, I think uh, short story reading is is perfect for today's busy, always on environment. It's a great way to to get because you got to get in your reading fix, but you can't read as you say as much as you used to. And I know you're an avid writer and an avid reader, so that's pretty cool. Yeah, well, that, yeah. Guys, we've got to close. But do you have any final comments you want to make? I'm just so pleased as punch that you guys would have me on your your little podcast here. Thank you so much. Oh, are you kidding? You just elevated it by so, <laughs> yeah, so many notches. Yeah, uh, you know, it's just me and Mark. There you go. Thank you very much. You're just good friends, and I really appreciate having both of you as allies and friends in my life. You know, you guys are great, and love having you around. We appreciate you, Mark. Any final comments? I think that uh, the the highlight for this call or a highlight of this call is hearing Tanya Allen Gould in auto tune, which is, which is of course what Skype will do. Be like, right. oh, and, and so, I mean, I've got a real kick out of that. 
that's funny. I that <laughs> actually, no, actually, I think that's perfect. I thought the highlight was when you dropped off. Yeah, that was good. That was <laughs> oh, I put yeah. in my little quote. I love there that quote, go. too. That was definitely a highlight. For me. I love that. I, I, I completely agree with you guys. <laughs> I'm kind of bummed that Mark and I haven't had an all-out war on this, on this, on this podcast well, at all. I, for I'm those not sure who, we some sort of, you know, fight or something. Yeah, for those that don't know, this was an extremely tame conversation, and that's why I said this this one could go off the rails. But I think we're going to have another podcast in our future, so I think there'll be plenty of time for the old Mark Tanya of Battleground to resurface. It's a treat, in case uh, you haven't witnessed it right. Oh, and by the way, you two both sound like you're truly radio guys. Just so you know, I, I listen. I'm listening to your podcasts. You both sound like you should be on the radio together <laughs> in some like little radio show. Is it because Bobby has a face for radio? Oh, all right, there we go. He got oldie buddy good. No, it always both works. Have, have stellar radio voices, I think, and I have kind of a raspy, dusty. I don't think I have a good radio voice, but I have to listen through to the podcast. You're too kind. The compliments are falling, and so are the number of listeners as we speak. So, uh, guys, it was a great. It was a lot of fun, and I'm really telling you, we're going to do this again sometime soon. Sounds great. Thanks for having Thanks, me. All right, guys, yeah. take okay. care.